All right, welcome back everyone for another great episode of Talk to Tatiana. And today I have Susie DeVille with me. Welcome, Susie. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome to have you. So Susie, you, we're recording this as your entrepreneurial journey. So but before we get into that, um, tell us who you are, where you are based and what you do and kind of what floats your boat. So I am the founder and CEO of the Innovation and Creativity Institute. I'm based in Highlands, North Carolina. And that is a tiny little mountain community in the western part of the state. I'm an entrepreneur coach, an author, and a speaker. And I help entrepreneurs claim their creativity and build enterprises that are aligned with their true selves. That's awesome. And so you've mentioned author and speaker. So talk a little bit about, I was going to save it for a last, but talk a little bit about your book, your upcoming book. Sure. Um, I'm not disclosing the title just yet um, because I already mentioned um, before we started recording how superstitious I am. <laughs> um, but I am writing for entrepreneurs and creators who are painfully stuck and riddled with self-doubt and they believe that the answer to their problems is more productivity, better management, more strategies. And what they may not realize is that the key um, to their success and getting unstuck is unbridled access to inspiration and to tapping into their innate creativity. And that book is going to be published in the fall of next year. And I have just signed a deal with Page Two Publishers who are based in Canada. And I'm super That's excited awesome. about it. <laughs> Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank Page you. Two is great. Uh, that's terrific. So um, where can people kind of learn more about the book as, as it um, evolves and as you release the title? Sure. The best place for people to find me where you can get connected with all of my social media, my website, get on my mailing list, everything. And it's super easy. It's just imetsusie.com. And Susie is spelled S-U-S-I-E. So I met Susie.com. And from there, you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. You can get onto my free mailing list, which is a newsletter that goes out every Friday morning, and it's called Inspired. And I spend the week really working hard on that newsletter. It is not a spammy sales device. It's really an opportunity for me to give something to entrepreneurs and um, try to help people get unstuck um, in a very low barrier to entry way. Awesome. So let's kind of um, go back in time. And, and what, I, what I'm curious to know is really what your entrepreneurial journey was like, has been like. And you can start as early as when you were a kid and kind of tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you started, where, um, and how you developed and how you grew and how you um, found your path of what you're doing now. So go all in or all out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My father was an entrepreneur and an artist and an, and an engineer. And in 1960, he started a shop on Highlands Main Street. And his passion was Asian art and antiques and porcelains, the, uh, in particular, Japanese culture. And so his shop was his playpen. 
And as soon as I was old enough to work in his shop, I, I did. And I learned how to do everything from marketing to customer experience journeys to merchandising to pricing, shipping, um, purchasing, receiving, I mean, every aspect of a retail enterprise. And um, he was very patient and loved to teach. So throughout my time growing up and throughout my summers after um, high school and during college, um, I pretty much ended up with a free business degree um, because of my experience working with him. And um, then I went on actually to get a master's in entrepreneurship after I got my undergrad in anthropology. And um, thought originally after school that I was going to go into the world of finance and um, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, I went to Boston, um, moved there and my sister was living there. I moved in with her and I got a job at Merrill Lynch thinking, you know, this is going to be my path. <laughs> and that was uh, September of 1987. And if you remember what might've happened in October of 1987, which was Black Monday, the big crash of the market. And um, I learned pretty quickly that was not where I wanted to be. And so I left there and started working as an intern at a publishing company in the south end of Boston. And they turned me loose in um, basically giving me access to all kinds of opportunities to do marketing for them. So that really whetted my appetite for publishing. And I ended up getting a job with a London-based publisher in Winchester, Massachusetts, and did that for a few years and then moved over to London and continued to work after that company had sold to HarperCollins. Um, I left that um, job and um, HarperCollins actually sold the part of the list that I was working for. So a gentleman who I worked with before in the, uh, the London-based company invited me to help him with his startup, which was a university press in London. So I did that until I returned to the United States. And I came back and I thought, maybe the best thing for me to do is teach. I've always wanted to teach. I've enjoyed it. Uh, so I'll go over and work at the local high school as a volunteer and just see if I really do like it. And um, I did. And I discovered something that was rather shocking to me because it had only been 10 years since I had left. And in that time, there were about 40 to 50% of the kids in the high school who were not reading on grade level. And so I went down to the local literacy council in a town about 30 minutes away and I asked for some materials. And as I was leaving the room, she said, you know, Highlands needs a literacy council and you, you would be really good to, to start that. And I said, okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> and there's no way I'm going to do that. Um, but as it turned out, um, the fellow who I was dating at the time said, you know, Rotary's theme for this year is literacy. And I said, hmm. Maybe that's a sign. So I started to look into it a little bit more. And long story short, I started the Literacy Council here in Highlands. And um, that was my first opportunity to really understand the nonprofit world, nonprofit leadership, nonprofit fundraising and grant writing, um, special events, everything that entails keeping a nonprofit afloat and serving your clients and building a really robust volunteer program. 
And um, that segued into starting a second nonprofit, which was a community service center. We took the former Highlands Keshers Hospital building and converted it into a one-stop shopping community service center that housed 17 county and nonprofit organizations under one roof. Um, I left there a few days before my son was born, and I ended up getting, um, when my son was about 18 months old, I was real estate world, and I felt bad because I couldn't really understand these contracts that I was signing, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to get my license, so I'm an, I'm an astute purchaser and investor, never intending at all to be active in real estate. And um, right after I got licensed, I got a client. <laughs> and the very first day, I put them in the car and I sold them a house, which happened to be our firm's listing. And if you're familiar with the way real estate works, you get both sides of the deal when that happens. And in one afternoon, of course, there's a lot more work that goes on beyond just the day that you take somebody out to look. But in one with one client, I made about half of my nonprofit salary. Um, and I thought, hmm, maybe there's something to this. And as it turned out, I actually had a, an incredible knack for it. I mean, I did do a lot of post-education training and read everything I could get my hands on, but I just had a natural sort of something on my DNA that was incredibly um, aligned with the world of real estate sales. And so actually for the last 20 years, that, I, that was the majority of the work that I did. Um, when I went back to get my master's, I was in a class, an innovation and creativity class, and they introduced us to the design firm called IDEO. And IDEO um, is run by David Kelly, and he is such a um, charismatic and fantastic human being, enormously playful and curious and intelligent and creative. And I absolutely fell in love with innovation and creativity in that moment. And I vowed that I was going to research everything I could get my hands on. And I knew I was going to do something with innovation and creativity. I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. And that began a 15-year journey that I dedicated to amassing as much knowledge as I could. And I began working with clients, coaching clients, um, and then folding in everything that I was learning from my research and from my work with clients, as well as my own pursuit of creativity, uh, all of that went into my writing and ultimately the coaching tools that I created, as well as um, my book. And um, it continues to be something that lights me up to the point where I feel like literally my hair is on fire every single time I work with a client, every single time I read something about it or do work in the field, it is absolutely electric to me. And I can see the possibility and have seen the possibility of how incredibly powerful it is to transform people's lives, especially entrepreneurs who will tell you with every bit of passion in their body that they're not artists, that they're not creative. And I love love, love, proving them wrong. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my God. What a great story. And 
I love um, finding out people's stories on the podcast, you know, not knowing them. It's awesome. Oh my God. Like, um, so you've been doing both the creative side and the real estate for, for the last decade, decade and a half, two decades or so. Yes. Real estate for 20 years and then 15 years of innovation and creativity. So you're basically what I call, um, a serial entrepreneur, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes parallel. Um, but yes, yes, it's a, it's an illness, <laughs> a joyful illness. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that it's, it's great. And so, um, tell me a little bit about how now that you work, you know, after doing all of the, all of that, and um, how do you, when you work with clients, with your coaching clients, what is the transformation, the experience, where they start before they engage with you or at the point of engagement and where do they come out? How do they come out on the other side? I love the question so much. Um, so most of the time what happens is I attract the former version of myself um, and you most likely um, really understand that path as well. Um, and I've actually written my audience for my book is the former version of myself as well. So they come to me oh, um, with um, enormous amounts of fatigue. They are very depleted, drained. Color has left every aspect of their lives. Um, a lot of hard work. Um, generally not great with boundaries. Generally not great with protecting what I call their sacred energy. Um, believing that they can achieve their way out of the funk and the stuckness that they're in, that there is um, a path to maybe um, more hours in the week that they could work, maybe another certification, maybe more um, information, maybe some tools that um, they've seen somebody else use, maybe they need to bring in a manager or have strategies that can help them. And um, not to say that um, productivity and strategic thinking and planning and management tools um, and enhancing how you're working um, is not important because it absolutely is, but it should come later in the journey after you have done a lot more of the, the work to get into alignment, back into alignment with your true self and your true nature. And most of the people who come to me, it's not that they never knew who that person was. They have simply forgotten. And the things that light them up, that bring them joy, that lift their energy, that give them this um, ebullient lightness of being, those are things that they have stopped doing. Life got in the way. Um, or perhaps they had what I um, would call an art shaming incident um, with a nod to both Liz Gilbert and Brene Brown. Um, sometime in their past, they might have created something. And of course, you're very raw and vulnerable when you do that and you share it with someone and they then proceed sometimes, many times to make fun of that. And then you just tuck it away and you feel, well, this world is not for me. I can't do that world. I'll do something else. So my job is to take who is the inherent 
um, innate artist and reintroduce the entrepreneur to that person, to that part of themselves. And we have all kinds of fun things that we do in addition to um, some assessments and some work to really get back to understanding and creating those links again um, in their lives, in their daily habits, in their weekly rituals to um, align back to their true self and remember what it is that makes them feel and come alive. And once we go through this process, and it can be several months, and I have clients who I just talk to every single um, month or even twice a month on an ongoing basis. And because you're, you're spiraling upward, you're continuing to improve and grow and add more innovation and creativity into the work that you do. You are more resonant with your ideal market because you remember who you truly are. You were able to speak very um, clearly in your your message lands. You are able to articulate exactly what it is that you love to do. And so you become a magnet to your audience and to your, your clients. And as you continue to grow and you learn more skills and you're sort of spir- spiraling up and up and up, you come back around sometimes and there's old stuff that you might need to kind of clean up before you go to the next level. So I have clients who have been with me for quite a while who continue to get incredible results. And I have folks who are just now starting out. So it's all across the spectrum. Um, but, but to a person, I have seen individuals um, ramp up their ability to um, what I would call um, high, high margin, low headache <laughs> clients, um, and, um, and really bring in many times, many fold times what they were making before, simply because they're not working against themselves. They're working in the flow of how they, they, um, naturally are wired to take action and in concert with their natural strengths. And they're able to, to connect their messaging very easily with their, with their ideal markets. And that enables them to be able to create content then in ways that is very sticky and uh, alluring and helpful to, to the folks that they want to attract. So not spending so much time trying to push the rock up the hill every single day. And they have more energy, they have more clarity, they have a lot more joy, they have a lot more time for their loved ones and their relationships, their hobbies, the things they love to do. So it has a beautiful knock-on effect on absolutely everything in their lives. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so I made so, I took some notes, which I'll put in the show notes um, for this podcast episode. Um, so absolutely amazing. I love the work that you do. And I can see how passionate you are about it. And I think that you can even hear, even if you don't see you <laughs> on video, you can hear how passionate you are about what you do. And that's awesome. Thank you. Um, and so um, a question that I have for you is actually kind of taking you back just a little bit. Um, And uh, what I'm curious to know is, in your entrepreneurial journey, um, what was the thing or two that really surprised you, Uh, meaning something that you didn't expect to be doing or being involved in or having to deal with? 
um, basically what I'm looking for is really a lesson that others can learn from. Well, I think that those of us who are wired to be high achievers aren't really down with this whole failure thing. (laughs) And it turns out that it's absolutely so vital and critical for us to embrace it as simply feedback and an ability to quickly course correct. It does not mean that we're not smart people, that we're not capable people, that we're not meant to be entrepreneurs. Um, All it means is that that is just one avenue that simply did not connect, simply did not work. And it's an opportunity to shift a little bit in one direction or the other or try something entirely new. Um, But those of us who have this double-barreled achieve perfectionism thing happening, and I'm a card-carrying member of those worlds, um, it is really tough when you first bottom out big. And it is really hard to not make that mean something mean about yourself. And so what I would really love to encourage everyone who is listening and and watching this is to really be compassionate and kind to yourself and know that perfectionism is just some kind of crazy part of our culture that we have taken on as uh, an attribute that that is a positive and it does nothing for us it does nothing for our creativity it does nothing for our ability to to be happy nothing for our ability to be a, a successful entrepreneur all it does is keep us in this little anxious box that does not foster this inspirational thinking that we have to have in order to access other ideas that do have promise that could potentially work. So I would say that that's probably my biggest lesson. Um, That and also the importance of really being mindful of your energy. And I, again, these are things that I routinely used to do. I still have to work on it myself. And that is not to work so much and um, to to make sure that you that you have the team and the infrastructure in place that enables you to have the free time so that you can replenish that critical um, capacity within yourself that is based in rest, that is based in connecting with things that that light us up that make our tails wag, that um, replenish our relationships, that form bonds. Um, I go out on a walk literally almost every single morning and I'm out in the woods for a good hour and a half. That alone is one of the most um, precious times of the day for me. And the ideas that I get when I am out there in those woods by myself, I have a golden retriever. Um, She is my sidekick and I get notes out the Um, I mean, out of my pockets for things that I want to do for my business, things that I want to create, things that I want to include in my book. Um, So having that time to um, open up our focus, I call it the open focus of a creator, 
that is vital to our well-being and our businesses. Awesome. I love it. I took some notes um, on that. So thank you so much for sharing your golden nuggets. Well, as we uh, as we kind of wrap up here today, uh, is there um, talk? I know that you've talked about how people can reach you, um, but talk about kind of where do you see yourself um, going uh, next? And I know that book is your next journey, which is awesome. But talk a little bit about uh, how let's say if someone was listening and they were finding themselves um, in where you described the earlier version of you, what would be the one thing that they could walk away with today with, you know, through listening to this episode that they can start with to get them on their path to the present you? So um, I, I would, let me just give a quick um, little sneak peek as to one thing that I recommend that is in my book. And I call it the four M's. And these are going to be familiar. Um, and and maybe some, some folks will find something um, surprising here. So the first M of the four M's is morning pages. And those are... Um, the creation of the woman who wrote The Artist Way, Julia Cameron, which is a book that I absolutely highly recommend. Morning pages are three longhand written pages that you do every single morning. This is not prose. This is not something that um, you pay attention to in terms of punctuation and grammar. It is literally a place to whine, bitch, moan, um, write out your frustrations, write out your celebrations, write out things that are exciting, things that you want to manifest, your intentions, um, what's going on in the back of your mind, weird things you dreamt about last night. Um, just all the things that get in the way of having clear bandwidth of your, of your mind and being able to really truly hear yourself think. So, and it's not something you go back and reread. You just write your pages, close the book. Next morning, you open up to where you stopped and go again. It is absolutely a magical process. If you've never done it and you've had a hang up about, oh, well, I don't journal or I can't journal. Um, just call it morning pages. Just use the words that Julia Cameron used and um, give it a try having that clarity first thing in the morning is really important. And yes, even if you're not a morning person, you need to do morning pages in the morning. The second M is meditation. Uh, I know that's loaded. Um, I know a lot of people um, will say, I'm not, I can't meditate. My mind jumps all over the place or I do meditate and that's great. But Find a way for you to find meditation for you in the way that is comfortable for you. The goal, again, is to try to have what I call the thoughts sinking down through the layers of the ocean and just sort of gently resting on the sandy bottom of the ocean floor. So you could do that by walking, or you could do that by just leaning back in your chair for a few minutes and just listening to music, whatever it is, um, guided meditations, there are a zillion of them online. Um, but do find a good 10 minutes at the, at, you know, I would say a minimum to have some quiet time. 
um, just to, again, connect back to yourself and just try to settle those thoughts. And once you clear the pipes through your morning pages and through your meditation, then when you go out and you do the third M, which is movement, so that can be on your bike, it can be on hoof, it could be um, at the gym, working out with weights, whatever it is for you, move your body. Um, I always bring a little notepad with me and scribble away. Um, even when I was swimming laps before COVID at the gym, I had a waterproof notebook that I kept on the side of the pool and I would swim, swim a lap and I would come back and I would write. And then I would swim a lap and come back and I would write. Um, because it's amazing that physical motion, how much that connects your hemispheres and really produces some, some of your best thinking. Um, it also helps settle those thoughts and helps you access um, thinking that you otherwise don't have access to. And the fourth is making something. Now, this is the one that all of my clients, especially my high achiever, productivity-driven clients, they, like the, the veins on their forehead start throbbing when I start talking about making something. And I always have to say, it does not have to be um, Picasso-like work. It can be a sauce. It can be an Italian or French sauce. It can be... Uh, a you know a picture you color it can be a little pencil drawing of your car keys it can be um something you collage like you rip stuff out of a magazine and you just make this really funky abstract design and you stick it down on your journal um literally just using your hands and it gives you access to your creativity back channels and it also fills you with this sense of possibility and gives you a little bit of an edge into that world of the unknown. The place that we tend to fear, which is the world of uncertainty, the place where we don't have control all the time, those of us who love control. <laughs> um, so it puts us in this little place where there are no edges and there's no place to put our feet. And that's good. It's a time for us to just let that go and inhabit a space that we rarely gift ourselves. So all four of those ways, and even if you just start with one, that is your entry point into this world. And, um, I really hope that if you give it a try and or if you have questions about how to do certain things or you're lost, please, please, please email me. I'm going to give you my email address. That's Susie, S-U-S-I-E at innovationcompass.com. And I'd love to hear from you. If you need some advice, if you get stuck um, or if you don't want to reach out through email, do get on the newsletter list and just um, see how these weekly newsletters might help to open you up and start you on a different path. Awesome. Susie, thanks so much for, for being a great guest. You've shared so many golden nuggets. I've made a ton of notes and a couple of links in your email, uh, which will be in the show notes to this episode. Thank you so much for, for being a great guest. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to be here with you. Awesome.